Yeah, you can clap for that. Well, I'm going to try to be brief, but yet thorough. Um, let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you became flesh. And Lord, you dwelt among us. And Lord, you're still with us today. What an awesome privilege it is to serve you. What an awesome privilege it is to recall the birth of Christ tonight. To remember the birth of Jesus. Lord, we ask God that your favor, your blessing would be upon this word. Lord, as we speak openly and truthfully about the incarnation of Christ, Lord, we thank you for truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I had David open with the scripture uh, this, well, I want to say this morning, but that wouldn't be appropriate given how it's uh, the eve of Christmas. Here we are gathered at night, and um, I asked him to read it for us because, well, his, um, his accent sounds far better, more appealing than mine, and he's looking awful pastoral uh, tonight. But I picked this um, particular part of Scripture for a reason. Um, The concluding part within the prologue of the incarnation of the Word in John's Gospel really leads us into the historical life of Christ. The Word is said to become flesh. The Word, flesh, is a symbol of humanity. Humanity, excuse me. Uh, John uses the word flesh instead of humanity appropriately, I believe, because it draws attention to the entry of the Word into the full uh, flow or scope of human affairs. It's remarkable. God becomes a man. (laughs) Staggering, isn't it? The divine Word (laughs) became the human Jesus, the human Christ. The phrase, His dwelling among us in the days of the wilderness is clearly seen as a temporary time. It's believed by scholars that John is anxious in this case, in the Gospel of John, to make it clear that this kind of dwelling is anything but temporary. Friend, that is good news. Matter of fact, these 16 verses are laced with absolute good, good news for us. Um, The word dwelt in the Hebrew means to fix one's tabernacle, have one's tabernacle, abide or live with or in, to dwell. I love this part of the meaning of this word. It means to take up residence. (laughs) The word for dwelt is the word for set up a tent. And it would almost feel as though God was just, in this case, pitching a tent. You know, when you think of camping, what do you think of? It's not permanent. You're just maybe staying in that, uh, maybe that plot or that campground for a bit. But this is not in any way what the word dwelt here means for us. Um, It carries... um, or, or, I'm sorry, it's that God wants to be on familiar terms with us. 
He wants to be close. He wants, to, he wants a lot of interaction between us and him. You know, if you come into a community and you build a huge palace and then you build around that palace a wall, it would say a lot about you and what you thought about that community that you just set up home or shop in. But this is not at all what God is doing here in this text. God is pitching a tent, so to speak, in the backyard of our lives saying, interact with me. I want to be known by you. I want to be seen by you. (laughs) God came to live in a tent so that we could watch him closely. God wants to be seen and known through his son, Christ Jesus. The same point is made in verse 18. No one has ever seen God, right? That's what John says. The main point is that even though God is a spirit and therefore invisible, John 4, 24, he has now revealed himself in an utterly unique way in human history. We see God now in Christ Jesus. And though we may have not lived as John lived in the time of Christ being born and throughout his ministry, excuse me, but we see him in the scripture and therefore we see God through the life of Jesus. So two things become apparent. God becomes a man. The word becomes flesh. The thought of God being fully man and fully God becomes a stumbling block for most. This is precisely what John says within the prologue of the incarnation of Christ. Scholars say that verse 14 is the climax of that prologue. There have been references to the incarnation in previous verses, right, that David read leading up to verse 14. Um, But they're kind of expressed in a veiled way. Many scholars believe that everything up to this point, meaning verse 14, could be interpreted in a way that would have been Um, compatible or attractive to various ancient thinkers up until verse 14 where he says the word has become flesh and he has dwelt among us. Right there creates a stumbling block. How, how could God reduce himself in many ways? And even in our thinking, how could God become a man? And so up until this point, up until verse 14, it would have been appealing to many ancient scholars and to most today up until the the point where we find that God comes in the form of a child. The most unique way, the most weak way even, think of it, from from the start of the census that uh, was sent out to the relocation and the long traveling that both Joseph and Mary took to, to wind up in a stable with, with, with cattle and horses. And friends, this isn't any posh um, kind of uh, resort or inn. This is dirty and disgusting and filthy. Matter of fact, my wife would have hives Abram was born in something like that. But God comes in the most unique, humble, and meek ways. 
Here unto us a child is born, a son is given, man. So many in that time were probably thinking and feeling that Christ was going to come as some emperor, some king with authority and power, and he's just going to put all his enemies at bay and to rest. But no, God comes. <laughs> he comes the most unique and meek, humble, and slightly humiliating ways. All those ideas seem to fall short to what John is describing, getting back to my notes, when Jesus stepped out, the infinite God, think about this, took on the form of a tiny unborn, I'm sorry, unborn baby boy, excuse me, the son Uh, did not cease to be God when he became a man. And even to this time, even now, that seems to offend so many. He added humanity, but he did not subtract deity. He was fully God and fully man. He was the God-man. Ponder that for a moment. I I was studying this verse 14 for... while of the week, and I, 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 I realized the, the amount or the lack of the gospel, the story of Jesus from his birth to his death, how it doesn't stagger me like it should. <laughs> and my fear for the Western church is that's the case. The gospel, see, we've become so familiar with the gospel But yet when we actually give ourselves to pondering that God became a man, it it, it begins to open up many thoughts, if you would, many deep emotions to think about the length that God went for us. Because you know what? The story just begins at His birth. But this story carries all the way through to Good Friday. When we're reminded that this God came in the form of a child to die for you and for me. Ponder that with me. The almightiness of God moved in a human arm. You hear me now? God moved through a man. I love that. I'm sorry that I'm yelling. Maybe I should be more dialed down. But this is absolutely moved. Moves me to the core. The love of God now beats in a human heart. The wisdom of God now spoke through human lips. The mercy of God reached forth from human hands. Jesus was God wrapped in human flesh. And verse 14 comes and breaks the mold for Non-Christian thought, the Word, the agent of creation, (laughs) right? Genesis, the agent of creation, Christ, has become a creature like you and me, God. (laughs) He who brought the universe into existence Existence now is born within the universe as a human being. This thought is so familiar in Christianity today. And my fear, like I mentioned 
earlier is that we are no longer staggered by it. We know that the story only begins with his birth, but ends in his death. For all the reasons God comes, and the meek and somewhat, through just the first glance of the text, humiliating ways, reducing himself first as a man, being born in a stable, all through his life, never rising up as he could, only to die for you and me. And that's what this season is about for us. And hopefully it's about that for all of us here, meaning my prayer today is that you are a believer, that you have the comfort, the assurance of salvation here tonight. Guys, the real message of Christmas is the gift that God gave us through His Son, Jesus. We know that, right? But in this time, let us not get hung up on the materialistic aspects of Christmas. I'm one of them. I love gifts. (laughs) I don't necessarily love giving gifts, but I love getting them. Hey. I know. I know. But I'm honest. But yet, I, I, I snap out of the Western way of thought when it comes to this time. And I lock in to the real meaning behind Christmas. And it's this. God so loved you. God so loved me. God so loved this world that He gave His Son for it. To die criminal's death so that we would be reconciled to God. Come on, friend, if you're saved here today, there is a reason to rejoice. There is always a reason to rejoice. And so my prayer, as I promise to make this brief and let you get on with your holiday plans, My hope is that Hilltop Church, what's left of us here tonight, because Boston is a little bit of a different beast. Most churches on these types of holidays, people gather (laughs) to. We have full gatherings all throughout the calendar year, except for Christmas. Hallelujah. It's weird. I don't get it. But those of us who are here, let's ponder. Let's take time. Let's unplug from the status quo of what it means to, or what what Christmas means, and let's plug in. Let's rediscover what it really means in Christ, given to us as a gift from the Father. Amen. Amen. It's a great thing to know that we were loved so much that um, God took on such meekness and humility for us. And it's in that we celebrate this Christmas season. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this remnant here left in Boston for the Christmas holiday. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that um, 
as we have for the last three Sundays um, looked at the gospel closely, looked at the story of Jesus closely. Father, I ask, Lord, that we would now um, absorb uh, these three weeks of, of teaching. Um, Father, that Christmas would become more uh, about Jesus and less about materialism. Father, we pray, God, that the gospel would once again arrest our hearts and would keep us through 2017. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.